This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. most valuable sports fans and welcome to the most valuable sports podcast Brandon Worth joining you here on this lovely Tuesday morning and we appreciate your listen and we have lots to cover today in Ferris State Sports with a lot of victories and even a championship to talk about as well as some other big news in the world of sport collegially and professionally as well as some other games to cover trust me you're not going to want to miss it and if there is something you want specifically covered on the show don't forget to follow us on social media at the MVSP, whether you're on Twitter or Instagram, make sure you hit the follow button and make sure you check our stories. We're actively seeking topics to cover on the show, and we want to hear what you, the fans, want to hear because, of course, we're doing this for you. So, And we appreciate your view, and make sure whatever podcast platform you are on that you hit the subscribe and the follow button so you don't miss a single episode of the show because there is plenty to cover and you're not going to want to miss any of it because you're getting into the most fun time of year. Postseason play has begun for the fall sports and of course we'll start with the one that rained on top of the GLIAC over the weekend. Ferris State Volleyball picking up a GLIAC tournament championship with the win over Michigan Tech 3 to 2 a final going to 5 sets an absolute thriller indeed and what a great win for this senior squad for the Bulldogs for coach Brandon Wilhelm coach Worst and this Fair State Athletics program the 7th GLIAC championship for this volleyball team in tournament play in the last 8 years what a fantastic run and of course it continues in 2021 i mean this has been an, a run like nothing we've ever seen before and I mean really 20 matches in a row is something that you don't get to say very often and it's just an incredible incredible turn of events for this team and I mean really we had our slumps earlier in this year playing in Holton it was one of the games that we lost early in in Kliak conference play where we had lost to Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech the UP just wasn't the greatest place for us to play early on and Boy, have things turned around. I mean, this team has been absolutely lights out with sweeping wins over top-ranked teams like Grand Valley, Hillsdale, and just being able to go back and beat big top seeds like Wayne State and, of course, Michigan Tech in the final. Just a fantastic, fantastic, I just can't express my glory and just... It's just excitement and happiness for this team. It's really just a fantastic time, and I keep saying that word over and over, and that's the only one that comes to my mind, so I'm sorry. My vocab is limited right now, but that's just how I'm feeling. But just, and I mean, really, when you look at this game, it was an absolute dogfight. I mean, we, well, of course, it went to five sets, and I mean, it even went to extra points in that fifth set as it ended 16-14 to 14 in our favor, fortunately. But I mean, both teams really threw everything that they had at each other, and Michigan Tech had their best hitting percentages. I mean, really, in the third set, they were electric. After we came up, we originally lost the first set 25-21, come back with a 25-21 win of our own. And then Michigan Tech just seemed like they dropped the hammer, 25-15 to 15 on us. I mean, we didn't even play really that bad in the set. I mean, it was our second highest percentage um, set and our, our literally our tied for our best 
said as far as air is concerned, they just could not miss on attacking positions and being able to get the ball on our side and just, I mean, they just had kills left and right. I believe that 18 total net set out of 25 points. I think that can describe it just as much right there. But, I mean, this team is resilient. This team is gritty, and we've seen that, and we've heard that from players like Nina Gorjevska that came on the show that just told us how this team, one play at a time, one set at a time, one game at a time, and boy, did it turn out to be and a wonderful philosophy to be able to do that and come back to win sets four and five to clinch a Goliath championship on the road of all places against the team hosting just an absolute fantastic game and a, what a great day to be a Ferris State Bulldog. Some stats from that game. Um, Samantha Herman had 11 points um, with 9 kills. Katie O'Connell had 25 kills on a row to a 28.5 point performance. What a fantastic way to really... I mean, they're not done yet, but we've already could consider her um, in the in the volleyball Hall of Fame. As far as a lot of a lot of what she's done has definitely put her in that position. I mean, we've already mentioned names like Allison Kappel and all those great volleyball players, and that Katie deserves to definitely be in that conversation. And that doesn't mean that the other team isn't important too, because there were some players that stepped up hugely. Kira Merkel and Kiona Salesman were the two that came to mind. Seventeen point and almost twelve point performance with both of them double-digit kills. I mean, they they came in huge. And, I mean, don't forget, obviously, Nina Gorgievska with, a, with 24 digs as well as O'Connell with 24 digs. I mean, Nina was our first-team GLIAC um, conference honoree. I mean, great defensive player of the year for a reason, one of the best in the back row. And, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, just the everybody being able to go out and do the job. And I, a lot of us really take that for granted when we have such successful programs because I mean this team's been winning for so long it's just it's hard to come by like man this is a tough game and we kind of we kind of think twice like man we shouldn't we have won this three to zero and that's just a that's just a hard expectation to go by as fans because I mean we're just so used to it and I mean give credit to Michigan Tech they're one of the best teams in division two for the right reasons and they they gave us a fight I mean they took it to five sets in their home gym I mean they they flat out had a great season as well we were just able to keep the consistency and I think that's the biggest key is we kept the consistency all the way through the match and I mean for all two hours and 10 minutes we were able to get the job done on the road and I mean they they really just they gave us everything they had but I mean our girls stayed gritty and we fought back and congrats to women's volleyball they did a fantastic job and we just we really look forward to what we see um who they'll be playing against which will be um announced on this when this episode drops on Tuesday will have already dropped so if you want to see where they're seated and who they will be playing make sure you can check out our social media handles as well to find out that information because there is a chance that we record this on Monday hearing the rumors swirling around about the selection show that there is a chance we could get a one seed so we might be hosting and that means we're going to we're going to rock the our rock wink arena and we're going to load the student section we're going to give this volleyball team all the support because they deserve they certainly deserve a good fan base for this for this ride into the postseason because they certainly have made it special but i mean we did a great job defensively and we were able to limit mistakes and that's really what has made this team 
the best that it can be. So we hope we can ride that all the way through into the postseason. But um, jumping on over, speaking of Wink Arena, the men's basketball team was in action at Wink on Saturday and got the job done. Boy, what a game it was playing against Ashland, the team that knocked us out of the GLIAC playoff last year. We got our revenge on our home for 85 to 73. The final, the dogs moved four and zero on the season. But boy, it didn't come without a little bit of concern. I mean, this team was looking very, very good. We came out of the first five minutes and just pressed and pressed and pressed and really flustered the Eagles offensively. Got out to a huge run early on. I believe it was around 12 to two or somewhere, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, it was getting a little out of hand, it seemed like at the beginning. I mean, they were turning the ball over. We did a great job with the press. Coach Bronkma did a great job implementing that into the game plan. Um, and I mean, they really give credit to that Ashland team. They fought back. I mean, the second half, they really gave us all they could handle coming out of the half. They really made some great adjustments. They went on a huge, it seemed like it was a 13-2, a 15-2 run, and they took the lead and one more up by double digits at one point. And it looked a little, it looked very concerning against this team that had started off so well, be able to shoot the ball well. And I mean, that was ultimately what really kept us in the game. And I mean, we did a great job on the boards as well. Um, I mean, we did have a lot of turnovers, but I mean, a lot of those turnovers came in into that that section of a run that the Eagles had and it just seemed like there was a lot of times where we had so much confidence going into especially driving the lane that was something that there was much emphasis on being able to drive and kick and when we drove um, we really put our heads down and really went for the basket and there was just some times we lost the basketball there was just a lot of times it was got a little jammed in there and we just couldn't get the ball out in time and really just coughed it up but I mean when you look at that in the grand scheme of things still scoring 85 points when the 20 turnovers is that's a pretty phenomenal feat if you ask me I mean that's still being able to get the job done offensively but overall an absolutely great performance for this dogs team and being being able to see it in person and how the game flow out I mean we needed we needed three periods to settle this. It went to overtime, but we know overtime very well this season, and we certainly showed it outscoring the Eagles fourteen to two in overtime. Fourteen to two lockdown defense was certainly the name in overtime, and we did a great job of that. But I'm looking at some of the stats from this game. I mean, Walt Kelser led the way with twenty six points. He was nine of twenty one, six of seven from the line with if eight rebounds as well. That was something that really popped out to me was his ability to grab the boards. Uh, Logan Ryan had 14 points. Dorian Louie with 13. Ben Davidson off the bench with 9 points as well. Jimmy Scholler had 7 assists along with 5 boards. Louie also added 6 boards to his 13 points. Um, but, I mean, we really were able to use a lot of guys off the bench, which was good. We got to see minutes from Vejas. Ethan Erickson was in there in a lot of clutter. He made a bunch of, I mean, believe both of his buckets. He had 6 points total. Both were deep threes, and both of them were in really hype moments. I know one of them was was on the, that turnaround when we started coming back after they made that big second half run and we were able to come back and I mean that that one of his three-point shots was one of the sparks that really lit the fan base on top and lit the team and really pushed them to keep on moving towards the lead so I mean it was a great game and I mean we had so much contribution across the board I mean McDon- Reese McDonald also had five points and those were both big buckets as well or I should say the th- one three-pointer was a huge bucket as well but the free throw cer- or the free throws certainly were as well but a lot of these guys that really you can see just are really padding the stat sheet and I mean they're doing so much more than that I mean we were able to see guys really just 
dominate as far as scoring the basketball. I mean, we had a lot of times where we went into isolation situations that sometimes it didn't work out at points in the second half, and at the end of the game, we had a chance to win it with Walt, but he was unable to hit from three. But, I mean, the, the, frank, the frankness of it is, like, you can look at a lot of these offensive players and we're able to take guys one-on-one. We've seen that before. I mean, Delorney Louis got a, na- a really nice mid-range jump shot. Ben Davidson can be a marksman from across the floor. I mean, Walt can do Walt things. We've already seen oh, a 28-point performance followed by a 40-point performance. I mean, and we got guys that can shoot the rock as well. And then, I mean, we got a lot. And, I mean, Jimmy Scholler and guys like Reese Hazleton that can really do a lot of different things very well. And we got a lot of we got a lot of great talent on this team. Defensively, will be definitely the thing looking at forward. I mean, there was times where we did slip up, but I mean, we locked down at points in this game, especially early on with the press. I'm really going to be interested to see if Coach Bronkema and that staff continues to implement that press into games because it was working. It was really working at parts of this game, and I know they wanted to go back to it, but Ashland started to figure out some of the little kinks in it with the cross court skip passes and those sorts of things. But I mean, once you get those dialed in it can be taken away pretty easily. But, I mean, we ended up shooting 51% as a team, 38% from three, and 83% from the line. Not too shabby whatsoever. Of course, we'd love to limit the turnovers, but the fact 85 points with nearly 20 turnovers, that's still a very solid outing. So definitely going to be fun, and this team will be in action once again. This time they're going to be finally on the road after a it seemed like has been a, quite a bit of a home streak here. Um, three out of the last four have been at home. They're going to be traveling to Finley tonight. Actually, they'll be playing on Tuesday the 23rd at 7 p.m. They're going to be taking on our old conference friends and Finley, the Oilers, at 7 o'clock. So you can tune in. I believe it should be on Bulldog, Sport, or Bulldog Sports Network, if I remember correctly. Um, it should be on there so definitely check it out if not follow them on twitter or and follow the game there's live tweeting and you can see how the dogs are doing but flipping on over to the women's side and what a great win for the women's squad being able to take down mckendry and boy what a what a crazy game it seemed like this was at the quincy classic um i mean the funny thing is we were losing at the end of the first quarter we were down 16 to 12 and from then on out, we only allowed McKendry to score 16 points the rest of the way. Yeah, 16 points in the first quarter, and then they scored 16 the next three quarters combined. Combined. They finished with 32 points. We finished with 72 points to pick up a 40-point victory. And, I mean, it might have it seemed a little scary at first. I mean, McKendry's not the strongest team in the GLVC, but, I mean, they definitely gave us a fight early on. That kind of scared us a little bit, but end up getting the job done. Coach Westendorp's crew moves to 4-1 and one on the season. Uh, obviously, have not gotten into conference play just yet, but they certainly will do so here soon. But, I mean, still, great job all the way around for this team, and really we're able to see a lot of good things out of this game. I mean, one notable thing right off the get-go is, I mean, we we shot the ball much better than McKendry did overall, 48% as opposed to 25%. That doesn't mean necessarily McKendry had a bad night offensively. I think that accredits to our defense because, I mean, our defense definitely sounded like they did fantastic, and especially on the boards. 43 boards to their 23. I mean, that's really getting the job done. And that's something that we've really wondered about this team going into this year is how we're going to be able to do on the defensive end and on the blocks and in the paint. How are we going to be able to use our to use size and be able to really establish a presence in the paint this upcoming season and not necessarily be as required to hit a lot of big shots to get victories? And we're seeing some of that right now. I mean, we're seeing a lot of great things from this team. I mean, Maya Hurum, 
she had a great game. She had 10 points off the bench in only 18 minutes. I mean, she had a fantastic game for the dogs. I mean, she's not necessarily the one that you would see scoring the most points in this game. I mean, she wasn't at the top, top mark, but right there with Adrian Anderson and Caden Blanchard, who both had 11. And I mean, doing it in only 18 minutes was definitely fantastic. Ellie Dykstra added nine points. Grace Sullivan also added nine. Um, Samantha Krause added four. Chloe Adoni and Mallory McCartney both added seven points um, to their totals as well. And I mean, Zoe Anderson was a monster on the boards. Only just a casual nine, almost a, almost 10-point rebound performance. But you know who did have 10 rebounds? Ellie Dykstra one point away from the double-double. Great job by Ellie Dykstra as well. I mean, this team is really rocking and rolling right now, being 4-1. and one. We're cruising through non-conference play and really have done it in a dominant fashion and just being, just being able to do it on the road it even contributes so much more success to it because, I mean, it's one thing to do it at home. Doing it on the road as well definitely can make it fun. But, I mean, this team is going to be really fun to watch. We're going to finally get to see them in action on Tuesday. Can't wait. They're going to be hosting Ursuline at 530, so make sure that you can check that out. I believe tickets are available um, for the public. If you're a student, it's free free basketball to watch and I would certainly encourage you guys to watch this team because they are looking very good at the moment and we knock on whether they can continue that here in the next hour 24 hours from now as this episode is recorded so um, definitely check out information for that and we wish the dogs luck at home and then one of, and I believe them um, I think it's their first home game I think all season if I remember correctly yes because they were in Detroit and then they went to the Quincy Classic and they traveled to Lewis so yeah this is their first home game first First time that we get to see the we get to see the Bulldogs at home, so definitely be worried to ch- or be aware to check that out and make sure that you guys can come and support the women's basketball team. But moving on over now onto the ice, and boy, what an interesting weekend this was against the Northern Michigan Wildcats. I was unfortunately not able to see the Friday game, but um, checking into to sources that were at the game and just seemed like it was the same thing once again unfortunately that we've really been looking forward to just finally falling out of the picture of just third period collapses um we were ended up tied 3-3 after the i mean we took dominance early on i should say first in the first period two to one then they came back and tied us up 3-3 after the end of the second period and from then on out it was all northern michigan and they were i mean michael koala had I, I believe a pair of goals almost a hat trick i believe in this game and i mean they really took care of business later on in the game ended up getting the win six to three despite us out shooting them 31 to 29 and I mean we were just it just seemed like we were able to put chances on on net but just I mean Northern Michigan it seems like their MO is quality over quantity especially in the shooting department they are a great team as far as getting quality looks getting wide open chances they are great at succeeding and really capitalizing on those guaranteed opportunities and we'll go into some of that over on Saturday as well as that game I was in attendance for, and boy, was it an absolute barn burner. You can see the scoreboard if you did check out what how they did as far as on the website and seeing the box score. Yeah, that, that score's correct. This was not a football score. This was a hockey score. 7-6. to six. Yes, that is correct. 7-6. to six. Oh, my gracious. What a hectic game. I mean, emotional roller coaster. We were up at one point, I believe, 3-1 to one early in the second period after Ethan Stewart got a power play goal. Northern Michigan buckles down and scores the next four in a row. Next four. 
take a big, or I mean, just I mean, five three after the the second period, all hope seemed like it was lost. That Nico Davida gets his collegiate his first collegiate goal at the beginning of the third period, but then the, the Northern Michigan finds a way to get an, an open look on a sh- on a shorthanded power play and mammed up to get it to six four. Sam Skinner gets lucky. Uh, I shouldn't say lucky. It was it was definitely a skillful play, but definitely got a little bit of assistance from a Northern Michigan skate um, to end up getting us to one, and then a great effort off the final or a finals face off in thirty in the last thirty seconds. Brendan McCallion able to put one on net, and his brother puts in the rebound nineteen or at nineteen thirty two in the third period. That's right, thirty seconds left. We end up tying the game until unfortunately would fall in overtime to a Michael Van Nguyen goal for the Wildcats. But still a phenomenal performance. And I think a lot of people were like, man, we lost this weekend. We really didn't like to get the success that we wanted to. But I mean, talking to Coach Daniels and looking back at a lot of stuff, there was a lot of things that we did well. There, there really was a lot of things well. The biggest thing that we did well was we did not lay down and really lose a third period. We fought our way back. That was something that we were going to be looking for in from this team. You know it was going to happen at some point. You knew it was going to happen at some point. And I mean, we, we heard we talked to Coach Daniels in the post game in the post game press conference, and um, he said, oh, "Really? Like we were so resilient tonight." And I think that really is true. And just I mean, losing in overtime, he really did not have a huge um, a huge preference to that. I mean, he said, "quote unquote," it's gimmicky hockey three on three, which I can I can agree with. It is a much differently a much differently executed period when it's three on three in OT. Not only is the next game goal wins, but you only got four total skaters on the ice counting the goaltenders. And that means only three on three as far as skaters are concerned. So it feels like a really weird situation. But I mean, Northern Michigan, give them credit. They got some great chances, some really quality chances. I mean, they only had 18 shots on net, which was our best allowed to opponents this season. The lowest amount of shots we've allowed to a team this entire season was 18. But I mean, unfortunately, Seven of them got across, and but we ended up getting 44 shots on target, 19 of them in the first period alone. I mean, we got a lot of chances, and that was one thing that Coach Daniels also mentioned: is we we seemed to get chances left and right. We were able to really do a lot of great things, getting in there in our our offensive end and able to put good looks on net. Um, and I mean, we we were able to get six of them across, which is a really good feat, by the way, a really good feat. Just the biggest thing of the whole night was. Once they, the Northern Michigan Wildcats, got a chance, it was an absolutely wide open chance. It was, I believe, two or three of the the goals were breakaways. The other two, I believe, were one on ones um, against a defender. And I mean, those are, are difficult to to really take on as it is. So I mean, just a really a really hard fought performance from this team. And of course, we'd want to get more. But I mean, you can still take a lot of positives out of this. Um, that second game, Nico Davida, um. As I mentioned, got one of the the uh, Bulldog goals. Ethan Stewart, Sam Skinner, uh, Justin McKillian, and Mitch Dielstra and Dallas Tulick were the other five goal scorers in this game. Brendan McKillian, uh, Ben Schulteis, Bradley Merrick, Mitch Dielstra um, both added assists on this game, as well as Jason Branshaw, Sam Skinner, um, and then as well, Stephon Bacorny and Justin McKillian, both adding two 
assists to their stat sheets on Saturday. And if you want to make sure, if you want to look all those up, and including the Friday ones, you can certainly do so at firstdaybulldogs.com under men's sports and men's ice hockey. And you can find all the goodies there if you want to really dive in to see how this team's doing. But um, one interesting other thing about this game, uh, Coach Daniels um, actually ended up pulling Logan Stein um, from the net. Um, or I'm sorry, Roni Salmon King has actually got the start in this game. And he was ended up pulling through 30 minutes of play exactly halfway through the contest for Logan Stein. Um, both of them had all right outings. I mean, Roni had seven saves. He allowed three goals, um, which isn't the greatest performance, but um, Logan um, allowed four goals on 11 shots. So not the greatest performances from these guys. We've definitely seen better from them. And I'm, I'm sure if you ask both of them, it wasn't their greatest performance ever. But there were some times they, they were left out to dry a little bit. And that's not necessarily the defensive fault either. The, the biggest thing was when they got a chance, it was I can't like I can't emphasize this enough, guys. When they had a chance, it was a wide open look every time. And they were great they did a great job of capitalizing on all those opportunities. So definitely was something to follow moving forward just to really take this game with a grain of salt just because we lost that game, but we ended up doing a lot of things well. And I think that's definitely something to take on for sure. But um, moving on into the last end of the Ferris State Sports Report, football will be in action this weekend. On Saturday, second round of playoffs. We got our bye week behind us, and now it's time. Round two, Grand Valley coming to Top Taggart Field, 1 p.m., guys. This game is going to be electric. I'm excited to be up in the booth with it. Joe's is super ecstatic to be up in the booth for it. We're ecstatic beyond measurables. We are so looking forward to this game. Grand Valley ended up squeaking by Lindenwood. I believe the final was 20-3 to um, to move on, which, by the way, upset alert. Defending champion West Florida lost in round one. So there's going to be a new Division II football national champion this year. So that's going to be something to watch out for. And, of course, we're hoping that it's our fair state bulldogs but make sure right now if you're listening to this and if you are on campus or nearby campus go over to the Ingle glaben sports complex i believe it is right now and i believe i think it's at the ticket desk i'm gonna i'm gonna log on here and double check to make sure i don't give you guys bad information but i believe if i remember correctly that there are tickets available for students right now um, that you can go pick up for free like, this is for free. You can get free football tickets for Anchorbone Part 2 in postseason football. I mean, I don't know what else that I can put more emphasis on there. But, yes, here it is. First free playoff tickets. First 500 students with your student ID can get a free ticket for Saturday's showdown against Grand Valley. Stop by the ticket office in Ingleglade um, Athletic Complex to, or I believe it's Monday through Wednesday from 9 to 5. But remember, this is wild supplies last so if you're going to wait until wednesday at 5 p.m sorry about your luck i'll tell you right now you're not going to get a ticket because everyone's going to be getting those opportunities asap there's only 500 of them so you might want to go right now so that's going to be a fun game i'm looking forward to round two seeing what the differences are and i mean really looking at this whole weekend together i mean we're going to be covering anchor bone more specifically coming up in our next episode when we'll have joe back and hopefully a guest as well on thursday for thanksgiving which i have happy thanksgiving to everybody listening to this on thursday um but we'll get into more of that as well as the game preview in of itself because it's going to be it's going to be an insane game i'm going to tell you that right now just because i was we were so high up on the first game that game ended up that well. 
Now this is postseason football, and now it's at home in a revenge game for Grand Valley. I, I mean, storybook, the only thing better is, a na- is playing each other in a national championship. That's the only thing that's better. The only thing that could be better than this situation. So, I mean, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, being honest, is Grand Valley probably the easiest matchup we could have drawn? Not even close. We could have played a lot of higher seeds. I would have more confidence playing a lot of higher two, three seeds. Like, I mean, Harding. Harding's a good team, but Grand Valley knows. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. Being able to, I mean, split in the season. It, it's something that's happened in the past, but I mean, this team's different and we're expect, well, I mean, we're, we're really looking for this team. If we can take care of the football and we can make big plays, we're going to be in great shape, but Grand Valley's going to bring their best. We know that Coach Mitchell's going to give us everything we got, so we're going to be looking forward to that. And I mean, just being able to have everybody healthy is going to be important. And I mean, really... I mean, I don't know how to describe the more hype up for this game. It's just going to be exciting. But we're going to cover that on Thursday as well on our, our episode. So if you haven't listened to the Thursday episode and it's out, go check it out right now. And you can get the full the full preview from me and Joe. Um, but that will be on Saturday, of course, at 1 o'clock, which Saturday is going to be pretty insane. So here's the Bulldog scoreboard and schedule for those that might have missed in between the cracks. Women's basketball will be tonight on Tuesday, November 23rd, 5.30 p.m. at Wink Arena. Men's basketball will be traveling to Finley that night as well. Um, ice hockey, uh, the Bulldog men's team will be traveling on the, or I believe they'll be leaving on Thursday, I want to say, maybe Wednesday. Um, but they're going to be playing on Friday at 7 o'clock and then again at, on Saturday at 6 o'clock um, for a puck drop against the Huskies in Houghton. So that's going to be a good game. Of course, I just mentioned football at home for the Division Two playoffs against Grand Valley will be at 1 o'clock. Get tickets now. And then there will also be women's basketball on, I believe it will be Saturday night as well at 7 p.m. where we'll face Grace Christian at home in Wink Arena. Then men's basketball will be home on Sunday at 1 p.m. to take on Lincoln from Pennsylvania. And that will get us through this week. If you want to find out more game or more information about these games, make sure you go to FerrisStateBulldogs.com to learn more information. Are you looking for part-time or full-time work or a potential internship? Eagle Village could be the place for you. It is a great place to make the impact on the lives of youth and is a mission opportunity very close by to Ferris State University. I've worked there. It's a fantastic place. If you want to learn more, make sure to check out eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential soars. And welcome back to the second half of our show where we go into more of the high end of college and professional sport discussion. And make sure if you want to check out the Ferris State Sports Report, you do that by checking out the first half of this episode to get all the information for that to come. But moving into the higher end of sports here, the latest and greatest in sports news. We'll start with the NFL going over the games this weekend. And boy, there were some head scratchers. That is an understatement. Um, First, diving into some of the earlier games. throughout this last week we didn't cover that many of the actual nfo games and didn't make predictions this week um just because we were crammed with a lot of other different things um that we needed to cover um throughout the week so um that is why we didn't get the per on the the full predictions uh, week by week. But if you guys liked us, me and Joe, and all of our guests predicting some of the games, make sure that you let us know because that's something that we will certainly consider. Um, and we would love to do if you guys enjoy listening to our takes on why which team should win and then ultimately 
watching that team get absolutely destroyed in the opposite way that we expect. That's just how it rolls. Uh, predictions always go sideways, and analysts are always w- the worst fantasy football team. Those are the two things that we always know, uh, and that ends up going by. But um, it's definitely a weird week of an NFL. We can just start off with the most obvious. The Texans beat the Titans, guys. The 2-8 and eight Texans beat the 8-3 and three Titans. Yeah. That's crazy. What a, I mean, it was just insane to see the Titans just fall so flat. Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions in that game. And boy, it just looked ugly for the Titans. I mean, they did not look like the top seed in the AFC yesterday. I mean, they did not look good. I mean, the absence of Derrick Hill is taking a toll. So right now, if you're looking at the favorite in the AFC, Tennessee might not be at the top. They have a good defense. They have a good passing game. But when they have to rely on it a lot... It gets sketchy. All I'm saying, we've seen that before. But good, congrats to the Texans getting the two or the 22-13 win, and Tyrod Taylor for getting the job done with his two rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, Ravens beating the Bears in really just seemed like an ugly game. Um, the Ravens moved to seven and three. The Bears to three and seven. And the biggest news out of this game: Lamar Jackson not playing, but Tyler Huntley still getting the W for the Ravens. It took a lot. It took a lot of grit. A lot of sloppy football, but it got it done. Justin Fields left the game in later. I believe it was in the third quarter in the locker room. Uh, I believe they reported that he was, I believe, had an injury to his ribs. Uh, but that's going to that's gonna be a little scary. I mean, they're going to have to play the Lions on, on Thursday on Thanksgiving. So I'm sure they're going to want their star quarterback on the biggest game of the year, especially the fact that the fans definitely influenced that Matt Nagy decision. Don't tell me they didn't. Don't tell me the fan base did not impact that decision at all. Don't tell me that. You know better if you're the Bears. You know what your image is, and you know what you did in the draft, and you know what was going to happen with it. Just saying. But a Devontae Freeman touchdown in the last 22 seconds gives the Ravens the win and propels them now only a half game behind the Titans for their first AFC seed. And then they get Lamar back. Could be interesting. The Bengals beat the breaks off the Raiders 32 to 13 the Bengals go to six and four the Raiders five and five on the season and the Raiders just got smacked in the fourth quarter they just really could not keep up with the Bengals in the fourth quarter Joe Mixon and Joe Perreau and Jamar Chase those three three-headed monster and that is why that Bengals team is a scary team to look out for in the playoffs because the Raiders are a respectable defense and they let up 19 in the fourth quarter they they take out that 19 you're talking 13 points, 13 to six entering the third quarter, the fourth quarter. Then you get outscored by 12. Yikes, that's a problem. But still, a lot of football to be played. Like I said, teams are 10 games in. We're still going to have seven more games, so don't freak out too much. But the Raiders got to figure out their defense and play five or four quarters, and they also need somebody that steps up as a playmaker role because Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake necessarily doing that right now. Brian Edwards might be the closest playmaker as of now. Cardinals moved to nine and two with a big win over Russ and the Seahawks that now moved to nine or excuse me, three and seven. Not nine and two. Rough day for Seattle. I mean, Colt McCoy had a great game. He was great. I mean, I don't know exactly what like the whole thing was about Kyler like really forcing Kyler to play I didn't see the need for that Colt McCoy played great in the first game Kyler was out he just had to ball, give the game ball to James Conner now he actually had to throw the ball and he did a great job of it I mean 318 passing yards uh, or 328 passing yards excuse me 318 net yards throwing two touchdowns a QBR of 120 James Conner led the uh, bull rush on the ground 21 for 62 
and it was a, just a, just not enough. There was just not enough big plays for the Seahawks, and that's really what's ailed them so far this season. It's gonna be interesting to get back on track. The Chiefs look to be back to old ways. Well, kinda. Yeah. No. Sorta. They don't look the same, but they're getting much, much better. They defeat the Cowboys seven, or um, excuse me, nineteen to nine um, was the final score. The Chiefs moved to seven and four. The Cowboys dropped to seven and three. Um, turnovers, definitely an issue for both <laughs> both quarterbacks. Both, I believe, had an interception and a fumble. Um, but the Chiefs just really were able to do a lot of great things uh, with big plays. I think they, they did a great job, especially giving the ball to Tyreek Hill early. That gives me a lot of promise. And Travis Kelsey, those two leading the categories in receiving tells me they're back to at least some sort of normal. And I mean, they're, they got creative in their playbook. That little wildcat touchdown to Kelsey sure looked pretty fun, and I'm sure the players really enjoyed having that um, be in the arsenal for the week. But that looked really good. And the Chiefs are back to 7-4, and four, and they're only... Crazy enough, one game out from the top seed. But what is more notable, the Bills get dismantled by the Indianapolis Colts, a final score of 41 to 15. Holy cow. That was not even close. I mean, the Colts just rode Jonathan Taylor on the way to a wonderful sunset of 6 and 5 in a winning record. And I know Pat McAfee absolutely enjoyed Every single minute of that game. I mean, it was dominant from start to finish, especially number 28. Finishing with 55 fantasy points. 55. And I believe that was only standard. I don't know if... I don't remember what the total was for PPR, but just calculating off of my head um, with some of the stat marks here, you would add about... Uh, I believe, to, let's see, he had 185 yards, four touchdowns, dude, and then he had five total. So that gives you a total of 30 fantasy points alone, plus 18.5. That's 48.5 for math majors out there. And also, I believe you would count four point. Yeah, that's a lot. That's an absolute crap ton, as I like to call it. Jonathan Taylor, he single-handedly won fantasy owners this week. And he should be getting a lot of thank you cards. He really should because they didn't have to do anything else but run him all over the place. 32 carries and 185 yards on the ground. 19 yards in the air. Five total touchdowns. That's all you need to do. Carson Wentz only had to try to throw 20 times. That's all you had to do. Uh, Josh Allen got two touchdowns, two interceptions. Didn't look the greatest. Matt Breida was the leading rusher. Yo. Bills need some consistency. They are a good team. But they got to show consistency on the ground for me to really put them in that top-tier category. Eagles beat the Saints. They moved to 5-6. and six. Saints fall to 5 Hundo. Final 40-29. to 29. Nick Sirianni, ever since that weird root flower quote, whatever, whatever that is, Kevin Hart was is a super fan. He didn't know what that was. Whatever that is, it seems to be working. I don't know what it is, what that quote was, if that was just a bunch of jumbled mess like Kevin Hart says it was, or if it was legitimate, had some thought behind it. Uh, the big notable thing was Going into the fourth quarter, it's 33 to seven, and the fact that it ended 40 to 29, ugh, a little scary for the Eagles' defense. But they got it done behind a dominant performance from that offense. 380 yards, especially the 246 yards on the ground. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Miles Sanders is back, and he looked great. I mean, having Sanders and Hertz running for over 150 yards combined, and then you add Jordan Howard, 63 yards on the ground. What? That's crazy. Good for the Eagles, I guess. They looked actually pretty good. That defense sketchy in the fourth quarter. But the Saints 
gave Taysom Hill a contract, so they're definitely looking at this past this loss and moving forward because apparently Trevor Simeon might not be the answer in New Orleans. But another game, what an absolute thriller this was. If you were like me watching this one on your couch, the the Browns beat the Lions 13-10. to And boy, did I hate every minute of it. I didn't hate every minute of it. But I'll tell you why. I'm still not fully sold on the fact that some people really believe that Dan Campbell needs to go. Yeah, you thought I was going somewhere else, didn't you? No! Are you kidding? This is 10 games. We're on week 11, ladies and gentlemen. Week 11. Week 11 in the NFL in his first season as a head coach with basically what is a team of glorified free agents. That's what it is. DeAndre Swift, Penesuel, pretty much any recent draft pick is the highest valued players on this team. Don't tell me Jared Goff is up there too. Don't tell me that. I don't even want to hear it. Tim Boyle was all right in his debut. He was 15-23, 77 touchdowns, two interceptions. He wasn't fantastic. Swift, that 57-yard TD was slick. Just proves we need to give him the football more, man. Just give him the football more. And that doesn't mean run a, a draw or a screen on third and forever. Stop doing that. Aylin was doing it, and now Dan's doing it calling the plays. Stop it. We can't be predictable on third down killing us on the bright side we didn't miss a kick Roger Rojas did good so that's a positive I guess Baker Mayfield did not look great I know this is biased because the other team was my favorite team in the watching Baker Mayfield doesn't look that good give me give him credit he is tough as nails I mean that guy went through a whole bunch of stuff and still made it through the game credit to him but he was missing throws Something's still wrong with him physically, and they need to figure that out, especially evaluating if this is going to be his contract season, considering they're 6-5. and five. Ugh, Not a great situation. Nick Chubb, though, franchise that guy. Give him the big money, because he's going to stay there for a long time at this rate. Um, looking at another game, Steelers, Chargers, I loved every minute of this game. Holy cow. What a great Sunday night football game that was. 41 to 37. The Chargers win it. Chargers move to six and four. Steelers fall to four or excuse me, five, four, and one. Steelers made this one real interesting in the fourth quarter. They looked electric in the fourth quarter. They could not be stopped offensively. And they just stalled the Chargers. But credit to Justin Herbert. He stepped up. Big throw to Mike Williams at the end of the game. 53 yard TD with under two minutes to go was ultimately the deciding factor and the defense stepped up and absolutely stuffed the Steelers down to 5-4-1. Herbert, 382, three touchdowns and interception, 126 QBR. Ben wasn't far behind, 20-44, three touchdowns, 273 yards, 109 QBR. Najee Harris was great. He left the game for a concussion protocol. He only had 39 yards on the ground. He did have a touchdown to save his fantasy score. But, I mean, he got hit pretty hard on one of the plays on that concussion and they never call the flag and that that was a little bit scary for him i'd be really can i'd be slightly concerned but austin eckler was definitely a story in this game he ended up i believe having a total of six catches 65 yards two touchdowns along with 11 carries for 50 yards and also two touchdowns he single-handedly saved me in one of my fantasy leagues so if you're listening the author she is austin thank you 
and I will be buying a jersey soon because that was fantastic. You single-handedly saved me one of my fantasy weeks, and I appreciate that. And I've really been high on Austin Eckler, not just in the fantasy aspect, but, I mean, he's a fantastic pass catcher. Fantastic. Multi-tool players, fantastic. Uh, Washington, spoiling Cam Newton's de- uh, um, return to Carolina, winning 27-21. Washington moves to 4-6. and six. Panthers move to 5-7. and seven, Or, excuse me, 5-6. and six. I mean, it really wasn't a bad game from Cam and the Panthers. It really wasn't. Washington just got through the gritty and got the job done. They really just were able to put their pedal down in the second quarter, I should say. Take advantage. And, I mean, they did, I mean, it was really not a huge, like, difference in this game. It really just came down to the down, the distance, and the duration of the game. That's really all it was. The, the Washington just ended up winning this one possession-wise. They just had the ball longer and were able to get one more score. That's really all that it, the difference was in this game. So Cam Newton, not a great homecoming back, but obviously a lot of season left. Um, finishing out, Vikings spoil the Packers trip to Minneapolis. They win 34-31 behind a dominant performance from Justin Jefferson. The Vikings moved 5-5 five and five and the Packers fall to 8-3. and three. And of course, the 49ers beating the Jaguars 30-10 to 10, as well as the Dolphins beating the Jets 24-17. Those are your scores. And obviously, we'll be talking about the Giants and Buccaneers score, which hasn't been decided yet during this recording of this podcast as it is tonight at 8.15 and is 5.30 right now. But you can make sure that you can check that out on Thursday. We'll probably go over it. If not, go look it up for yourself. It's fun to look up football and look up numbers, crunch numbers, analyze, do all those sorts of things. But it's definitely going to be interesting looking through the rest of this NFL season. I mean, you're going to be looking at a lot of really crucial parts. I mean, Lamar Jackson's going to have to return at some point. Jonathan Taylor's now pretty much in the I think that he's got to be in the front of the MVP race. The guy's been fantastic taking over Derrick Henry's spot. We're talking Derrick Henry, straight shot. MVP race is his to lose. Then he gets hurt. Jonathan Taylor says, yeah, I'll take that, and I'm going to run with it, literally. Run with it, and he will not be stopped. It was a fantastic game, but, I mean, you got to be worried about the Patriots, though. Bill Belichick made the Falcons look silly on Thursday. Their defense looks legit, and kudos to that team for putting it together on uh, the coach i have a little bit beef with so i won't give him credit just yet and you guys know who i'm talking about especially loyal lions fans know who i'm talking about yeah he messed up some stuff with us so we still have beef that's all i have to say on that but anyway moving over into the nba now um and I was fortunate to be able to go to lca on friday night um unfortunately Steph and Draymond did not play. Unfortunate. That's kind of why I paid for the tickets. I knew there was a chance they wasn't going to play. Like, I knew that there was a good chance they had played in Cleveland the night before. The odds of them playing back-to-back, it was pretty slim. But I was figuring that they would at least give us a chance, especially that I believe they played on Sunday. I believe it was. I think they played on Sunday. Yes, against Toronto, and they ended up winning that game. Um, I was kind of hoping that they would just play and then give them the two days rest, which is not realistic. I get it. But, hey, it was still fun. Uh, Pistons came up just a little bit short. Um, the Pistons, I believe they ended up losing 105 to 102. And it was a brutal, I guess not like a brutal game. It was just a brutal game to lose because we had clawed our way back and had a great look to tie it up and rolled literally toilet bowl style out of the rim and ended up falling us down to 4-11, and which we ended up losing yesterday to the Lakers. 
to give us to 4-12 and 12 despite leading by a hefty part of the third quarter in which a specific event, I think, changed the outcome of this game. And loyal Motown fans know exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, I am absolutely going to talk about this because it needs to be mentioned. The fact that LeBron James might not get suspended for hitting Isaiah Stewart is ludicrous. Yeah, I said ludicrous. I don't say that word on the show very often. That's how crazy that is. You're telling me a guy that hits a guy. I know it probably wasn't full-on intention. I mean, it wasn't a straight-up jab to the face or an uppercut to the, the chin. But he hit him with a close fist on a play that was controllable. How are you not suspending him? And don't tell me it's because LeBron James, because then that screams entitlement from the NBA, or the NBA. And that's a bad look. That's a really bad look. Listen to this. Isaiah Stewart is one of the toughest guys that we've seen come through Detroit since the bad boys. Yeah, I'm going that. Fo- I'm going there. You know where I'm going if you're a little Pistons fan. I love seeing that from Isaiah Stewart. Now, after the third, after the second altercation, yeah, you got to stop it from there. You you can't come back all the way to the bench and then run all the way back on the floor. That no no, you had to stop it. That there, you have to know that you, that's there's a time and a place to stop, and that's where you needed to. And Stewart's going to get suspended. That he's going to learn his lesson. That's for sure. And we know that, and we're we're going to accept that. But fans are loving this, and I love it too. Isaiah Stewart, kudos to you. And here's why. There's guys in this league that you go up against that are definitely your childhood heroes. That's that's fair. Whoever it was, I mean, long, long rest his soul in Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan. I could name all the list on and on of these recent players that our generation would agree are just idols as far as the support of basketball is concerned. But when you face them, there's a fandom about it. There's a fandom of where you don't want to make things hard on them. You want to show appreciation. I mean, the fact of, like, you would be able to play LeBron James, of course you wouldn't want to, like, injure, like, LeBron on purpose or really give him bad, like, you want to build a, you want to build a friendship and a connection with him, I get that. But at the end of the day, you're there to win basketball games, you're there to get your team as high in the standings as possible, get a playoff seeds, run the table, and win it yourself a championship. Does that mean you have to hurt some people along the way? And I'm not saying physically punching them, but I mean, like, you're going to have to dig deep and really get yourself in a position where you're not taking nothing from nobody. And that doesn't matter what name is on the back of your jersey. And for Isaiah Stewart to do that, kudos to him. Kudos to him for looking at that situation as, hey, that guy messed with me. Like, we're going to take it to him. Let's let's go. Put the ball up and let's ride. Like, let's get this game going again. And, hey, if you do that again, I'm coming after you. I'm defending myself. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your legacy is. Like, hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's take this to the parking lot. Like, this is this is not right. And the fact that he did that, I give kudos to Stewart. He's going to get suspended, and I, LeBron should be suspended from that because he instituted it in the first place. I know we tried to apologize, but it didn't look like there was a really, I don't know. The fact that it's been 24 hours and we haven't heard him apologize, yeah, I don't know. That report coming out then, mm, suspicious. That's all I'm saying. 
I, that's all I'm saying. It could have happened. That very well could have happened. And that would be great if it did happen. But I'm just saying the fact that all this is coming out, we hadn't heard of anything. Mm, I don't know. That looks awfully defensive. And that's not a good look for your case, especially the fact that you're facing a suspension. So the fact of that whole situation, I applaud the Pistons for really rallying and making sure that they keep their young star in the ball game despite all of his frustration because you want to let that frustration out. There's, there's like, there's really like, you know, you need to control yourself, but you also can't resume play with all that in mind because then it gets worse. It gets way worse. I've had experiences with guys in high school that I flat out wanted to deck in the face. I won't lie to you. I, I will be 100% transparent with you. There would be some guys that I've, I could have punched in high school and they're not bad dudes. They're not. It's just the way the game flowed. There could have been some bad calls. I would have probably missed some shots, turned the ball over. Everything wasn't going right. Then you get an elbow to the chin. You're going to get back up and you're going to say, what's up to that guy? And that's not his fault. It's just that's how it goes. And that's exactly what Stewart was having. I mean, he was having a decent game. Not the best, not the worst. But in that situation, you're winning. And then somebody hits you in the face. Yeah, that's another even that's another element to the spectrum. So, but anyway, that in, that whole thing is done. All I'm saying is, if LeBron's not suspended and Stewart's out for three games, I'm going to be on here on Thursday, going to let her let her rip again because that's wrong. I know LeBron James is a pivotal member of this organization and brings in so much money. I get it. Trust me. But then again, everybody has to be held accountable, right? Right. Anyway, NBA standings: Chicago Bulls. What a great team that's been. Caruso, that crew have done a fantastic job. They're twelve and five right now, leading the um, tied with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Washington Wizards have made some noise. Um, they're in, or they're in the three spot. The Heat, the Hornets, the Cavs are at six. The Cleveland Cavaliers are ahead of the 76ers. Boy, have the tables have turned. The turntables. How the turntables? Wow, that's crazy. Celtics Bucks at eight and nine, um, or eight and nine in the seating. They're technically nine and eight overall. That's that was confusing. The Hawks, the Raptors, the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Magic. That's right. We're not last. Hey yo, four and twelve. We're gonna get there. Trust me. Build respect the process. Um, rounding out the rest of the Eastern Conference. Golden State has looked phenomenal, and they haven't got Clay back yet. Yeah, you should be scared. Five and two. That team looks good. Jordan Poole is an absolute menace right now. He was an absolute menace, and I was going to say menace at the Palace. Yeah, that's not the correct terminology, nor do we play there, so just bypass what I said. I just wanted to get that thought out. He was fantastic at LCA. He led him with 30 points, and I mean, growing up as a Michigan fan, that was fun for me to see. Um, but that team looks really good, guys. They look really good. Suns at 13-3, and Jazz at 11-5, Clippers 10-7, and Mavericks 9-7, and and the Nuggets at 9-8. and Those would be the hypothetical playoff spots. But don't sleep on the Suns, y'all. They've won 12 in a row. 12 in a row. Paul and Booker. Yikes. They're looking to get back to the championship game again. Trail Blazers, Lakers, Grizzlies, and T-Wolves. Rounding out 7 through 10. And 9 and 8, 9 and 9, 8 and 8, and 7 and 9, respectively. Then the Thunder, Kings, Spurs, Pelicans, and Rockets. Yikes. The Rockets have lost 14 in a row. 14 in a row. Not looking so good, Jalen Green. Just saying. Yeah, Pistons fans know what beef that is, and they know exactly what I'm referring to, so nothing else has to be said there. Cade, greater sign, 
Jalen, there, I'm done. But looking at this um, this season moving forward, um, it's going to be fun. I mean, we've already seen some great matchups all overall in the season. A couple games and going to overtime. And, I mean, it's wide open. Like, there's nobody running away at the moment. Nobody undefeated. I mean, Golden State would be the closest thing to that. But we've seen, I mean, the Suns are a prime example of teams that can really heat up. And when you heat up, it's the most important part of this whole situation, right? Because you want to peak at the right time. That's what sports is all about, especially in playoff basketball. How many times have we seen that over the years? And some sort of a team come out of absolutely nowhere to make an absolutely huge tournament run. It's definitely worth looking going forward. But um, some other news as far in the sport of the NBA. I mean, you definitely have to consider the fact that um, Kevin Durant's going to be back for the Nets, and that's going to only improve them. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, Excuse me. Whoa, I don't know what I was just saying there. It seems he'll start even though his shoulder is still swollen and sore. But he's going to. I believe he's going to start against the Cavs. He's finally going to be back. Joel Embiid's back for the 76ers. Some of these injuries are definitely things that have prohibited some teams um, in the past. So... Um, I think that's definitely something you can concern. And um, also, Russ Westbrook, yes, you did get a technical foul, just in case you forgot. Um, but anyway, uh, moving over into college football, real briefly here, and yet these we end the end of the show. Um, I mean, what a great weekend it was for um, Ohio State fans. And I don't want to say that, nor do I want to really go farther than that. But, oh, yikes. Oh, oh, my gracious. Sparty fans, I'm sorry. I was rooting for you. I was really hoping this year would be different. Well, it wasn't, not even close. 56-7. The Buckeyes rolled up Spartans. Ugh. Ugh. Just disgusting. I don't know what to say. Other than CJ Stroud should be a front runner in the Heisman Trophy case. Just like I said before, he was number one in the, my top three. And the good reason why is that team always heats up at the end of the year. And that's when the award is handed out. Regardless how good Bryce Young is, regardless how good Matt Carroll or Corral's been, the name of Malik Willis and, I mean, Kenneth Walker really was proving his case there for a little bit. Fell flat with only 25 yards in this game. But you have to know that this Ohio State team is going to perform like this at the end of the year. You have to know that every single year. And the fact of it is, is you have to find a way to stop them. And that was not the case this weekend. That secondary got shredded like mozzarella. And C.J. Stroud made him look silly. I mean, Master Teague had 95 yards on the ground. And then you have Olave Wilson and Smith and Jigma with over 100 yards receiving and five combined touchdowns. Five combined. That's not great. It's going to be a reset for Michigan State. I mean, this is after the Mel Tucker reported extension. Yeah. Extension games stink, don't they? They really do. Juwan Howard losing after his big extension in Michigan. Mel Tucker losing after his reported extension. That stinks. The curse of the extension. I guess it's going to live on. Um, Ohio, or Ohio, Oklahoma, the other the other OU, um, beating um, Iowa State 28-21. to I mean, that was a sneaky game. They ended up getting out of there. I mean, really getting out of Norman with a win against an Iowa State team was well, going to be a tough task, and they got it done. Iowa beating Illinois 33-23. to Notre Dame rolling Georgia Tech, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. Alabama sneaking away from Arkansas despite getting everything handled. Fake punts, you know, the huge. Throw everything at Alabama you can. Um, Wisconsin beating Nebraska, even though it's another close game again. Kudos to Nebraska for playing, like, they're an under 500 team, and they've literally played every single team that they've played 
to under seven, like under 10 points. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, they've literally done it to, I think, every team. Well, Michigan State, I think, was not. One of the only ones they did not. But kudos to them. Cincinnati rolls 48 to 14. NC State rolls 41 to 17. And, of course, Baylor winning and BYU winning as well. Utah beating Oregon. Beat the brakes off. 38-7. to Look out. Oregon Ducks go home without a playoff chance. That's what happened. They're likely done. And that's tough for them because they had such a great season. And, I mean, they were looking really good, guys. They were looking very good. I mean, Travis Dye and that crew, they, they were really rolling through. And the fact is, like, that can end their chances right there. Sadly, that's just the unfortunate reality when it comes to the college football playoff. But speaking of the college football playoff, that new selection show will be coming out on Tuesday. And as far as predictions, because now we're going to have a new name in the top five, as Oregon, I would previously be the number three seed, falling to Utah, now 9-2. and two. They're going to drop. Ohio State's definitely going to be added up, but who's going to be the next team? You got the Cincinnati Bearcats. You got the Michigan Wolverines at 10-1. and one. You got the Irish, who are slowly sneaking up there at 10-1. and one. And then you also got teams like Oklahoma State and, Way- and uh, Baylor that have heated up to absolutely astronomical levels. I mean, that's, that's going to be an interesting conversation. You look at the AP poll right now, and obviously I said we're going to wait to come back to this. Georgia, Oklahoma, or Ohio State, Alabama, Cincinnati in the AP poll. Coaches, the only change, Alabama and Ohio are, or Ohio State are flipped two and three in the difference in there. What they have agreed with is that Notre Dame is above Michigan. I'm a loyal fan, so I'm throwing bias into this one. Wrong! What the heck happened? What are we, what are we talking about? Notre Dame's like heated up. I get it, but what's wrong with what? What's wrong with docking Michigan? Wasn't this team last week rated in like potentially in the number four spot if Ohio State had lost again? Wait, what? How do you knock that team? How do you what? I am confused. Anyway, does do I do I truly believe that Michigan is a top four team right now? No, I don't. I think they're five. If I'm being fully transparent, I think they're five. I think that you have to make the argument for those four teams in the both the AP poll and the coaches poll. I think are the standard, and they have to be put in the top in the top five or in the top four. Excuse me. I think you have. I think you can't really make an argument otherwise. Can Michigan beat Cincinnati? Absolutely. But then again, that's not what the the committee has made. They've not made it aware that that is exactly how it is formatted. It's inconsistent. Multiple analysts have said this, and I'll continue to say it as well. I just really don't feel that Notre Dame can leap Michigan that fast. Like, last week, they were, like, eighth. They were eighth. I know Michigan State lost, but how does that give them the authority to jump Michigan when this is also a team that has almost gotten upset multiple times. Multiple times. They've been able to route some of the lower-ranked teams. They almost lost to North Carolina. They almost fell to Virginia Tech. Cincinnati also beat them. I I just don't know. And I, I Michigan, you almost lost to Nebraska. Yeah, this team also, or Notre Dame also lost to Florida State in overtime. Florida State. Five and six Florida State. Okay, so don't make that argument. It's just interesting how this whole thing is switched out. I'm not I'm not truly like mad at the fact that Mich- Notre Dame's over Michigan. 
I mean, I said I did. But the real thing that really matters is the inconsistency with the college football playoff. There needs to be some sort of just a full layout. You can give me bullet points all you want, but what, there's got to be one that's more important. Wait, you're telling me you break, break ties with a different one every time? No, that's stupid. That's dumb. A different thing every time is wrong. That, that shows there's nothing with it. The Associated Press, they rank off their analysts. Power of record definitely makes a difference. But you're telling me that there's four things that go into that? Is there some sort of algorithm? I'd love to see the algorithm. You would clearly make things so much easier for the analysts, for the fans, for the diehards, that you would just understand and tell us what this whole system is. Because there's been questionable things that they are gonna that they've done. And frankly, this is what I'm gonna see happen. Then we're gonna talk about if this happens, if this happens, what I'm about to say, if this happens, we're talking about this on Thursday. I don't care. I'm I'm sorry, Joe. I don't mean to like ruin rule the show, but I, this that has to be discussed. If Georgia's number one, Ohio State is number two, Alabama's number three, and Notre Dame is number four, we're gonna have problems. Major problems. I'm telling you, oh my goodness, that is going to get messier than ever. But you're just going to have to tune in and find out to see if that rant will come true. And make sure you follow the college football playoff, I guess, to see if that ends up coming out. And we're going to definitely have some beef. And guys, also, Joe is more adamant on this than I am. And I'm getting flustered right now. We might get heated. That's all I'm warning you. Make sure that you bring your fire retardant suits because it's about to get real hot in this room if Notre Dame makes it into the top four of the playoff because I know the man across from me is going to go nuts. More nuts than I am. Yeah. Stay tuned and tune in. That's all I'm going to say. But thank you guys for checking out our episode today. Thanks for hanging with me. I appreciate your listen, and we thank you for a great, great show so far i mean you guys have been phenomenal to us being able to give us over 2k oh my goodness you guys have been awesome you guys have provided the listens you've gave us all the followership and we appreciate y'all and also if you haven't subscribed to our channels of youtube channels of spotify apple all the other great platforms we have make sure you do that and social media y'all we're almost to 100 followers on instagram so make sure you go follow us on Instagram. You could be the 100th. You could, might be able to get a shout-out on the show if you were. I, I could try and make that happen. 100, 100th uh, followers special? Something like that? Sure. Let's make it happen. Um, and get us to 100 on Twitter as well. I think we're just about at somewhere around 60 or 70. Uh, my numbers could be a little bit um, skewed there, but somewhere in that range. But if you get us to 100 followers, we'll definitely do something for you guys. So make sure that you let us know ideas on what to do that with. And let us know as well partners that we should do with on the show. I mean, we've got some great partners with Eagle Village, Bulldog Radio, and Anchor, of course, but we're always looking for more. So if there's a brand out there, a town, a local business, uh, a town, I guess, something within the town is more what I was trying to say. I mean, hey, we could sponsor Detroit, but I don't think that that turn out very well. But anyway, you know what I mean. Thank you guys for tuning in and make sure that you do all those wonderful things. We thank you guys. And until next time, take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.